Welcome back or welcome to the Single Track Podcast. I'm your host, Finn Melanson, and this is another episode in our mini-series on the athlete-sponsor relationship. We're talking with Jordan Hamm, who serves as a sports marketing specialist and manager of the trail running team at Brooks Running, based in Seattle, Washington. But before we get started, I do have a few discount codes for listeners. For Kodiak Cakes, use SINGLETRACK15 to get 15% off your next order. For Athletic Greens, go to athleticgreens.com backslash singletrack to get a year's worth of vitamin D and five free travel packs when you sign up for a subscription. And for Inside Tracker, go to insidetracker.com backslash singletrack to get 31% off your order through July 17th and 20% off after that. All of these deals are made possible because Single Track is now brought to you by a couple of sponsors. First, Kodiak Cakes. I'm super stoked about this, this partnership. Almost as stoked, I would say, as Chris Mako when he secured a similar one with them back in the Mako Show days. But seriously, if you're like me, your weekend long run is followed up with a big stack of pancakes, and Kodiak Cakes should be a part of it. They should be the centerpiece of that tradition. They taste great. They're whole grain. They come with protein. Um, if pancakes aren't your thing, Kodiak Cakes is diversified. They also make great oatmeal, which I've incorporated into the weekday breakfast routine. And what else is cool? They're based in Park City, Utah. Uh, and it's just, it's great to be aligned with a local company. So use that promo code SINGLETRACK15 on their website checkout to get 15% off your next order. Second, Inside Tracker. This company is awesome. You get your blood drawn, you answer a few lifestyle questions, you upload the data, and they analyze the results and provide an action plan with the most accurate, personalized recommendations about where you can improve when it comes to eating and, and supplements so that you can solve that critical diet part of the training equation. Think of it like having your own personal data-driven nutritionist in an app. As I mentioned, for the week of July 11th through July 17th, if you go to insidetracker.com backslash singletrack, you will get 31% off whatever order you make. After that, it is 20% off in the ensuing weeks. I will be taking my own Inside Tracker test later this month. I look forward to sharing the results with all of you. Just to provide insight into how I personally use their platform to guide my diet and ultimately to reach my training and racing goals. Finally, Athletic Greens. I started taking their AG1 product about three years ago, so in my mind, this is a long time coming. It's since become a part of my morning routine to ensure that I am covering all of my nutrient bases and absorbing all of those whole food sourced vitamins, minerals, probiotics, adaptogens, you name it, that I need to round out my diet. Um, I think of this like nutritional insurance. It's lifestyle friendly as well, and it works for you whether you are keto, paleo, vegan, gluten-free, you name it, and it costs less than $3 a day, which I know for some of you out there is way less than you spend on your daily coffee, so it's a good deal. If you want to arm your immune system with that convenient daily nutrition, like I do, as I said, go to athleticgreens.com backslash singletrack. When you sign up for a subscription, using that link is going to get you a year's worth supply of vitamin D for free, as well as five travel packs. So there you have it, Kodiak Cakes, Inside Tracker, Athletic Greens, proud sponsors of the podcast. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Let's get started, though. Jordan Ham, it is great to have you on the Single Track Podcast. Great to be here. Thanks for having me, Finn. So 
for context, we have had this ongoing mini series where we're talking with uh, trail athlete managers at all the major brands. Um, we've spoken with David Kilgore at On, Steph Gardner at Solomon, Robert Merke at Adidas Terex. Uh, list goes on and on. And I think it's just an interesting conversation to have because there are a lot of aspiring pro athletes that listen to this show, but also just fans of the sport that uh, are, are curious to get more insight into what that relationship looks like and how athletes provide value and how brands provide value and just how the whole ecosystem works. So that's a long winded way of saying I'm super excited you're on the show and I really appreciate your time. And uh, yeah, maybe just provide a little bit of background on, on how you got to Brooks and, and what your role uh, looks like in that, uh, in that scenario. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I've been a, a, a lifelong uh, follower of the sport uh, of running and, and have been involved, uh, you know, since my days in, in middle school. Uh, so obviously got more of a start uh, on the track, uh, you know, ran collegiately um, and kind of after after college, uh, uh, just kind of keeping up with, uh, um, you know, just trying to stay fit and happy and healthy. <laughs> uh and uh, ended up finding my way uh, over to Brooks, uh, um, you know, after after a year or so after college, um, and actually just got my start, uh, just getting my foot in the door, um, you know, working customer service, working, uh, uh, you know, getting to learn who our customers are, um, you know, who who actually runs in Brooks, and um, you know, before making my way uh, to work with more of our, uh, our retail accounts. Um, and been doing that for a couple of years before, uh, uh, kind of getting, getting in the right place at the right time, uh, you know, to, to join the sports marketing team here at Brooks, um, you know, just kind of biding my time, waiting, uh, <laughs> waiting for the opportune moment, um, you know, to join this, this awesome team and, um, yeah, and, and sports marketing at Brooks, I mean, we, we, uh, on the U S side, we, we definitely have a, a very strong, uh, focus on, uh, uh, or historically, anyways, I should say, we've had a strong focus on the track uh, and roads um, with our Brooks Beast Track Club and uh, our Hanson's uh, ODP group. Um, but new in this in this past year, uh, um, I've been uh, uh, kind of expanding our our trail athlete program, um, which I've been very excited about. Um, and uh, and I have to give a shout out for for one of one of the athletes that. Uh, that is on our team that is, uh, uh, you know, been pivotal for me and, and just getting to learn more about the trail running is, is Joe McConaughey. Um, you know, we, uh, uh, we ran together in college, uh, when he did his, uh, his PCT records, uh, back in 2014, I was, I was there for his support crew. And, um, that was a, a big moment for me to just kind of get, uh, you know, dive headfirst into the, the sport of trail running. So, what are you seeing in the general running market and more specifically in the trail running landscape that uh, makes Brooks want to invest more in, in our space? Yeah, well, uh, so, I mean, we have, we have been in, invested in trail, I would say at a, at a lower level uh, in, in particularly on the uh, uh, product side, specifically footwear. Um, so, I mean, we've, we've had, uh, you know, some solid footwear, you know, 
specifically the, the, the Cascadia, I would say is probably what, what we're uh, mostly known for, um, you know, in the, in the trail space. Uh, uh, and so where we're looking uh, and where we're growing um, is, you know, we're seeing in the market that there's just way more participation in, in trail, uh, particularly, you know, since, uh, since the pandemic kind of took off in 2020, um, people are just looking to get outside more and, and kind of enjoy nature. And, uh, um, so uh, kind of in a, in a buildup to that though, in the last, you know, five years, we've, we've expanded our, our trail product, our trail footwear, um, developing the, the Caldera, uh, the Catamount, um, and the, and the divide, um, our, our four, four solid shoes. So. I have a question there. So, and maybe, and if you don't have the answer off the top of your head, that's fine. And maybe we can link to it in the show notes, but I've always wondered where somebody can go on the internet to find the, the market research that shows like how much participation is growing, how much sales are increasing, not just for shoes, but for like all associated trail running uh, products. And, and I guess in, in the case of Brooks, is that like in-house market research that you're doing or what metrics are you paying attention to? Um, and are they publicly available for people that are interested to, to see and analyze themselves? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. I mean, there, there are definitely some outlets that you can find uh, online if you're subscribed to it. Uh, um, but a lot of it does come from uh, market research, just, yeah, in-house uh, um, kind of gauging how, how key retailers are doing um, and what the product, uh, the product that's moving. Um, you know, so there's, there's definitely different ways to look at it. Um, but I would say yeah, a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with just like in-house uh, market research. One more thing I want to ask about uh, your job description there as um, an athlete manager, what is either, what does a typical day-to-day -day look like or what are your, major responsibilities in that position? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question too, because uh, uh, particularly at, at Brooks uh, within sports marketing, um, I mean, we have a kind of a, a, another extension to our, our job is, is youth marketing. Um, so, you know, we put on the, the Brooks PR invite, which is a, you know, high performance uh, uh, high school track meet, um, put that on every June. Um, we're also uh, managing uh, Inspiring Coaches program as well as the, the Brooks Booster Club, which are two programs that, again, focus on the high school level um, and, you know, provide support uh, for teams. Um, so the day-to-day -day aspect, uh, it, it changes <laughs> all the time. So uh, when, when it gets to uh, working with, with athletes, um, you know, it, uh, it can vary from, you know, just... Uh, helping them, uh, you know, feel supported uh, in, in some of the, um, you know, races that they're doing, you know, just helping to coordinate, um, you know, photo shoots uh, or video shoots. If there's any like uh, product launches that are taking place um, can be, uh, you know, helping to process uh, uh, reimbursements and invoices, uh, um, kind of executing bonuses. Um, there's a, there's a number of different things, but that's, that's kind of one of the fun things of the job though, is that yeah. every day is different. Um, so. Well, you mentioned earlier the influence of Joe McConaughey and by the way, shout out Joe, because he just set an absolutely massive FKT yet again, this time on the John Muir trail. So shout out string bean, shout out Joe. <laughs> but I, I feel like 
you know, in the last two years in particular, Brooks has signed some pretty awesome trail athletes to their roster. So you mentioned Joe, Hillary Allen, Sarah Cummings, uh, Garrett Heath, Ladia, like the list goes on and on. And um, I guess I'm curious, like when you're thinking about growing your uh, market share in trail running, how important is it to you to have this roster of great athletes, you know, registering great performances in various parts of the sport from a marketing standpoint? Like how, how important is that to the strategy of growing the brand? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's very important. I mean, uh, you know, they are, while they are, you know, high performance athletes, um, they're influencers in their, in their own way. Um, so, I mean, they're, they're a, uh, uh, you know, a part of the, the customer's journey and in, in buying shoes um, and, and, and someone that is, uh, you know, maybe had just learned about uh, Hillary Allen through, you know, one of her many, um, you know, activations that she's that she's always uh, that she's part of. Uh, and they learn that, you know, she's a Brooks athlete and they find that they are interested in, you know, purchasing, you know, some either, whether it's footwear or apparel. Uh, you know, it's just one of the many ways to, to get uh, you know, runners out there just noticing Brooks, um, particularly in, in, in trail. Um, and so when, when looking at, uh, you know, building out the a trail roster, um, I think one of the, uh, challenges in, in trail in general is that I think when most people think about trail, they think of just ultra, they think of hundred milers, um, they think of something that is, it's going to take a day to do, <laughs> um, mm. uh, but there's, uh, there's many different aspects to trail running. So, you know, building out a roster that, that touches on the athlete that excels at a, you know, a VK or, you know, a shorter mountain race, uh, as well as someone that is the multi-day, you know, FKT type of runner, um, and everything in between. So, um, yeah. It's interesting. I think one of the reasons why I'm curious is because there was this big debate that I think. I may have helped instigate on Twitter about how much value there is in, let's just say an athlete crossing the finish line at Western States in the top 10. So there's a lot of visibility from that standpoint, wearing a particular shoe, wearing particular gear, like how much either obvious or subliminal influence does that have on a person who's watching going and maybe in that moment or at some point down the road, investing in Brooks gear. So do, do you think that that is actually helpful from a marketing standpoint and from a sales standpoint or, or are these people right that, you know, they don't fall, I don't know if prey is the right word, but um, it, it, they're not t like truly influenced by what they're seeing in those races and that like they actually go to the shoe store instead and make this very rational and considered purchase where they try on a bunch of different things and, and go from there. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if there's the the right answer to to that question, but uh, at the the bottom line, it, it's it's thought provoking. It, it's you know, it gets it gets that runner, it gets that customer to even consider uh, you know us when they whether they are just going to buy something you know right offline uh, you know right in that moment, or if you know they get the idea to then go into the store and they think about you know maybe this athlete you know won this race or was top 10 and uh and 
and I think another aspect to that is like, you know, winning, winning a race or being on the podium, like, uh, you know, that's a, that's a photo that's going to live on, you know, for who knows how long, I mean, it's, it's always going to be there. So, uh, you kind of have to look at it that way too, that, uh, they're part of the history book. Um, you know, if it's just a result with, you know, a, a Brooks, you know, being added to the name there, um, you know, there's, there's definitely a, no, no right answer. I think, uh, for that question. <laughs> Personally, I just think it's important to be ubiquitous. Like if you can be everywhere, anywhere around the clock in the most important events of our sport, I think it's crucial. Like I definitely noticed the brands that aren't, I mean, as a, as a super fan slash media person in the sport, I tend to notice the brands that aren't there. And I'm just like, wow, like what an opportunity you're missing out on. Um, but anyways, going back to this roster of athletes, I think a lot of listeners would be curious to know. Uh, what is the process of scouting for and recruiting these people look like? And maybe you could even paint the picture by talking about a recent example um, of someone that you're, you're pursuing. Yeah. Uh, so again, just the, there's, there's more than, more than one way to, uh, you know, find the right athlete for the brand, but uh, in, in, some approaches it's, it's finding an athlete that is, uh, you know, already wearing Brooks product. Um, you know, it's, it's someone that's, that's already interested in, uh, in competing in, you know, in our, in our footwear or apparel. Um, and, and, you know, myself and, and my team, we're, we're always looking through, uh, you know, results, uh, you know, every week to, you know, see, see what's going on, who's, who's showing up to which races. And, um, it's a, it's a process that, uh, I mean, it's a, it's a long, maybe not a long drawn up process. It, it takes time. I'll say, uh, it's not something that that happens overnight. Um, but it's, uh, it's something, you know, probably on, on an annual basis that, uh, I know we definitely look at, at trying to bring in new athletes, um, you know, towards, towards the start of a new, new calendar year, um, you know, to, to kind of keep things clean, but it's, it's, it's not how it always happens. Uh, and, and one of, uh, uh, my goals, uh, with, with this group, this team, um, is to just develop, uh, some younger talent to get, uh, uh, some, uh, runners that are, you know, right out of the NCAA, um, you know, athletes that, uh, show that they can compete. Um, you know, the, the NCAA is a, a tried and true, uh, you know, format for, for competition. Um, but trying to find the athlete that is going to excel at a, you know, a 50 K that has 10 K avert. Um, <laughs> that's a, I was just going to say it's yeah. a challenge. <laughs> well, do you have any example, like just to paint the picture more for folks that like learn via story and via example, are there any athletes, for example, in the NCAA ranks that you've been interested in recently and uh yeah talk about that maybe because i mean you just said it but i I, well first of all i think it's super cool that uh you're thinking that early in the process because i think one of the issues in our sport is um at least from a fan standpoint i think too many people wait to enter into trail and ultra running until they're in their mid-20s early 30s at best and so um yeah paint a picture maybe of how you go and recruit an athlete from the college ranks and uh and why you're okay with taking that leap of faith in terms of, uh, you know, the fact that they'll be performing in new arenas. 
Yeah, yeah. Like you had said, uh, you know, with NCAA athletes, like just trying to bridge that gap to get, you know, the, uh, you know, younger athletes just right into trail um, so that there isn't that, you know, one, two, five year gap (laughs) before they're, you know, competing uh, uh, at a high level again. Um, Yeah. So, so, I mean, a recent example um, is uh, uh, this athlete, um, his name is Talon Hall. Um, He was, uh, competing for the University of Washington, um, and uh, you know, last fall, so fall twenty one, um, just started to to reach out to him. I actually had kind of a, a, a funny way of coming upon, you know, realizing that he was interested in trail was just noticing he was popping up on Strava um, on a lot of the routes that I was personally like doing. So. Uh, uh, it was definitely eye catching. Um, and then just, you know, making that, that first intro, uh, and, and also learning from, from some of the other Brooks, uh, athletes that had also kind of crossed paths with him, um, and just kind of building a relationship from there and, and, uh, you know, exploring what, what, uh, you know, options were for, you know, post-college, um, you know, if trail running was a, a, a goal, um, and just uh, uh, kind of going, you know, step by step to, uh, you know, get him in a, in a, in a Brooks uniform, um, you know, when the time was right. And, uh, you know, he's, he's someone that's uh, has excelled on, on the track as well as cross country and, um, you know, 10K. Uh, so there's, there's definitely some, uh, some key races, I think, are, are indicators for, you know, potential success on the trail and, and you know, he's definitely someone that, you know, we're willing to, to take a, um, you know, take a risk. So that is super cool. And I, I want to key in on what you said there about doing research via Strava segments to find athletes. And I can't remember who told me this and I'm, I'm bummed because they deserve credit on this podcast for me saying this, but I recently heard that in the cycling world, this is common where, uh, there are cycling brands out there that will search, uh, you know, biking KOMs on Strava and they will uh, recruit athletes to their teams based on that. So it's amazing to me, you know, you think about the influencer world and like looking up follower count and stuff like that in other industries, and maybe it, it does exist in, to some extent in trail too, but the idea that Strava can become this opportunity for athletes to show off to brands. And I mean that in a very positive way. It's like, it's like a, it's like a place, it's like another, it's like their version of like a resume from a performance standpoint. That is super cool to me. And, um, so I don't really have a question there. So just more a comment, like, that's awesome. Yeah. I I mean, I never really thought Strava would be a tool like that, but it's, it's a, it's a, an opportunity just to kind of like get a, you know, inside look at what, you know, or, you know, potential athlete is doing in their training, um, and, and a lot of these, you know, segments are, are tried and true. Um, so, you know, it's not going to be, uh, you know, there's, if it's not a soft segment, then, you know, there's, there's a good reason why they, they may be, uh, uh, or they have the potential to compete at a higher level. So I'm already, my brain is already kind of running wild with ideas, but like, for example, I live in Salt Lake city, Utah, and I can already think of a number of notable trail segments where if I was a brand, I would just be favoriting those segments and returning to them, you know, refreshing them every day or week. Like, 
um, there's a mountain right outside of Salt Lake City. It's called Grandeur Peak. And the west face of that peak is just, it's it's a part of like, you know, trail running and segment lore in our town. Like if you're anybody who's anybody in the mountain scene, you're attempting a PR on that or a KOM. And I actually think that the KOM has stood for like maybe eight years at this point. And uh, anyways, if I was if I was a brand like Black Diamond or La Sportiva, anybody that's looking for athletes in that like VK sub ultra scene, I would be going to that segment and seeing who's on the leaderboard and who's still relevant. Um, so I don't, this dude, this is so cool. Gonna, we have to take notes on that right there. <laughs> oh, hey, well, let's talk offline. I'll give you all the segments for Salt Lake City. Um, but anyways, okay. Uh, follow-up question, slightly different uh, angle here. How much stock does Brooks put into athletic performance versus social media performance when considering signing an athlete? Um, I mean, typically, well, for for my group, uh, uh, and looking at Brooks sports marketing, I mean, we're looking at performance as, as number one, um, you know, social and, and having a personal brand that's already, you know, built out is obviously a, a, a huge plus. Um, and it obviously shows that the athlete is committed to, you know, committed to their craft and what they're doing. Um, but it's uh, social is, is, is something that doesn't, doesn't happen overnight. I mean, it's the same with, performance, I guess, like obviously yeah. there's a ton of training that goes in, um, and you know, you pop one, one race and, uh, you know, you, you find, find that you have 15 minutes of fame, but you, as an athlete, you got to find a way to, uh, over time kind of build up what those, uh, you know, your followers or, um, you know, what your personal brand, uh, is and, and what you're known for. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's an opportunity for us to, to help them find that way. Um, so, I mean, it's, we're not always going to find, you know, a Hillary Allen, um, that has an established following, uh, you know, uh, I mean, Talon is, as an example, like, you know, doesn't, doesn't have a, a massive following and it's not a knock on him, but I mean, it's, it's something that's, uh, that we can build out together, um, and, and, uh, build out over time too. So, um, yeah, but so <laughs> long, Long answer to, to be short on it, uh, you know, performance, uh, you know, definitely over um, kind of over social media. So when you say build out a following together, does that mean like opportunities to collaborate on certain campaigns or um, like, I, like with North Face, for example, I know that they will intentionally take part in a lot of these FKTs that their athletes will attempt and they'll bring like video crews out there. Like I was just interviewing Caitlin Gerben for uh, a UTMB pre-race interview and she was out in Patagonia, I think five or six months ago with one of her uh, team partners. And yeah, I want to say North Face just brought like an entire content team down there to document the entire process. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure Caitlin made a post about it, but a lot of the production was outsourced to the brand, which I think is interesting uh yeah i mean th- that is definitely one one opportunity to uh you know kind of collaborate and build out uh or help an athlete kind of build out their following um but it's also like capturing content uh you know at races um mm. you know for the athlete to be able to utilize um and just kind of creating opportunities where uh you know, we haven't done this this yet uh but having having like a team summit a team 
you know, training camp, um, you know, and utilizing that as a, uh, you know, an opportunity for an athlete to get content that, you know, maybe they wouldn't normally plan or think of trying to, trying to do. Um, yeah. Yeah. And there's, uh, yeah, I mean, collaborating with, with retailers as well. Um, it's another way that we, uh, we leverage our athletes and some of our relationships with, uh, you know, specialty, uh, running accounts, um, you know, all over, all over the country. So, um, and then even, uh, race event partners, and this would be more so on, on the, uh, on the road running side. Um, you know, we, we actually, uh, we just sponsored our first trail race last year, the JFK 50. Um, so we're, we're, you know, super excited about it. And, and last year was a, it was definitely a success. Uh, um, and actually one of, one of the reasons, uh, uh, I mean, I won, but, uh, uh, Sarah Cummings won that race in, in 2021. And, you know, she's now a, a, a Brooks, um, you know, sponsored athlete. That's just a kind of going back to your previous point of, um, another way to kind of get that attention. So. Yeah, she's local here. Uh, I think she, yeah, she's based over in Park City and she crushes mm-hmm. and I think she's going for the 100K World Championships later this year, which is exciting too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay. So I guess my next question then is, and again, knowing that you can only offer an opinion here based on what you value at Brooks, if you were talking to an up and coming uh, potentially sponsor worthy athlete in our sport, would you encourage them to focus more on performance or to focus more on building an audience, building a social media following? That's a good question. I mean, I mean, you gotta be able to hit performance. Um, so, I mean, you gotta prioritize training, you know, making sure that, you know, you're putting in the work, um, and that's, you know, 90, 95% of, of, uh, uh, you know, what we're, what we're looking at, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, times and podiums, um, those, those do matter. Um, and you know, everything else, uh, you know, people are going to follow you. Uh, people are going to want to invite you to different races, uh, to different events, different media events, um, you know, over time. And, and, and that's, a uh, that's something that would follow. Uh, I would, I would go with that. Um, cool. I'm curious, transitioning just a little bit, I would love to talk about the way the team is structured. And I know that there are, you know, the answer to a lot of these is probably it depends because everybody has different life circumstances, but just offering like a rough sketch, how many athletes on the Brooks trail roster would you say, have the opportunity to do this full time just based on uh, the compensation they're getting from their contract. Um, yeah, I, like you had mentioned, it, you know, it obviously depends on on what uh, you know what would be viewed as uh, or what they would want to view as a, a you know full time commitment to, to trail running um, and trail racing. Uh, yeah, but our our group, I mean. I would, I would roughly say, uh, about like half of the group. Um, and, and a lot of it is, is also just dependent on the athlete themselves and that, you know, a lot of them have pursued careers or, or, you know, specifically want to pursue a career, you know, to supplement, uh, you know, trail running. Um, so, I mean, it's a, uh, 
Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I have a, a great answer there. Yeah. No, that's fine. No, I'm just trying to set the table here for a bunch of questions. Um, how about contracts? Like, do you tend to default to one year contracts or are most of these athletes on multi years? Yeah. Uh, so we, we definitely look uh, in the long term <clears throat> and that we, we want to, you know, develop the athletes. So, uh, uh, you know, they're, they're all on a multi-year uh, deal process. Uh, and, and we actually, we're kind of hedging our bets too. And, and uh, this is maybe not even like a, uh, it's not a, uh, uh, that was the word I'm looking for. <laughs> Um, I would say that like we're, we're hedging our bets in that, you know, the uh, trail would be in the Olympics at some point. So uh, just getting our contracts aligned with the, an Olympic cycle, um, you know, that that gives the athlete the opportunity to, you know, really map out what they want to do, you know, in the next two, three, four years, depending on kind of where we land in the cycle and everything. Um, it just, I love uh, that. Yeah. Yeah, it just it gives it gives everyone, I think, a, a, a clearer picture, um, a bit more, you know, more runway to figure out, you know, what we can do. So I was actually so I was talking with Robert Murke from Adidas Terex a couple of weeks ago, and they follow a similar uh, playbook. He didn't quite describe it the way you did with uh, aligning towards this hypothetical Olympic cycle, which, by the way, if trail running is ever the Olympics, that's awesome. But he did say, you know, we do have this two to three year progression where we honestly don't expect that much from a performance standpoint in that first year, because the athlete is uh, spending a lot of time meeting with the product team, testing gear, uh, meeting with the marketing team to understand like what content is going to resonate and what tools they have at their disposal to, uh, to be helpful in that regard. And um, a lot of times they're signing younger athletes and, they're expecting an evolution and they're expecting these breakthroughs to come like two to three years after the investments made. So, um, yeah, I just liked the way you framed that with the Olympic cycle, uh, thought process. And, um, I think maybe most importantly, just giving, taking pressure off the athletes in the short term so that they can actually focus on their craft without getting bugged out about, Oh, you know, if I get injured or if I have a poor performance here or there, this is over like this, this, you know, they don't feel like it's this 10 us, uh, fleeting opportunity they have. So again, not really a question there. Just more comment. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good follow-up to it though. And it, it, I, I think it, yeah, it just makes sense. Um, you know, cause it is a partnership. Um, you know, it's, it's not just a, um, you know, like if, I mean, if we sponsored 50 to 60, you know, trail runners, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit more kind of black and white of, or a little more cut and dry. And, um, you know, we give you a stipend and, you know, you go do whatever you want to do, but, you know, we're, we're selective. Um, you know, it's, it's why we have a, a smaller roster and, um, you know, we're very intentional there. So, yeah, these next couple of questions, um, I, I want to lay out some context. They're definitely not intended to be gotcha questions. In fact, we can talk generally about the industry when I ask them. <laughs> Um, I should just say that I'm interested in them because I think my big, uh, one of my big missions is to help facilitate an environment where more athletes, if they want to have the opportunity to make a living out of our sport, either, um, you know, a little bit more than full-time or, or full-on full-time. And uh, 
I'm wondering what your thoughts are on the opportunities that athletes have to figure that all out. Um, like, do you think that there are some opportunities that already exist out there where if an athlete wants to understand, um, like for example, how much they could make, uh, year to year or what they could get in terms of like, you know, race fees covered or airfare covered or health insurance, stuff like that. Do you think that there is at least some of that that already exists out there for them to, to review and, um, to use, you know, as a part of their negotiation. Yeah, that's a, that is, there's definitely a lot there. Uh, uh, you know, and there's a lot to consider for, you know, a new athlete particularly, um, uh, cause you know, they don't have, you know, that experience on their side and, um, you know, it's, it's, a, uh, you know, for, for some athletes, it, you know, it doesn't make sense to, you know, pursue an agent, you know, someone that, that has that, uh, kind of inside knowledge, I guess, uh, have the, the experience, um, uh, you know, so, so coming into, um, you know, negotiations with, with a brand, um, it's, I think it's important just to make it clear that it's a conversation and not something where, uh, um, you know, that if you say the wrong thing, that everything is done, um, that everything unfolds, uh, it's just, uh, uh, you know, you can, you can do all you can to make sure that, you know, you get, uh, you know, a conversation with the, you know, the right person, um, or the right people at a, at a, at a brand, um, you know, persistence definitely helps. Um, but just finding different ways to, um, you know, uh, have touch points with the brand. Um, so whether it's interacting with, with the, um, brand through social media, um, through races, uh, you know, there's, there's definitely more than one way to, um, to get there, I guess. Uh, which I realize probably doesn't answer the question that you, you no, initially... I think, no, 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 no. I, th- I think, I think it's good. I think, I think there's going to be a lot of back and forth here because yeah. just a lot of stuff comes to mind. I mean, I love thinking as deeply as possible about the psychology of the athlete in the situation and vice versa, the people on the other side, like yourself and, and the rest of the brand and the marketing team. But one thing that shocks me I shouldn't say shocks me. It's just, it's, it's fascinating. Um, in the world of trail running, it seems like a lot of the athletes, I'm not, I'm not going to say a majority, but enough for me to notice a lot of the athletes, um, are satisfied with, I would say the label of being called a pro athlete. And then I would say the opportunity to just get some gear. So in some, just like the smallest bit of recognition that what they're doing is, is impressive and important. Um, and when I'll ask them about, you know, you know, do you care anything about the financial parts of this and, and making sure you have all your bases covered there and, and you're leveraging everything at your disposal. Um, and I talk about things like, you know, what, what if this was more open or, or what if you knew this piece of information? Um, there's actually kind of a, a hesitancy there. Like they'll say, well, you know, if, if this stuff was made public, then I would know what my teammates made and they would know what I made. And, um, that's, that's kind of embarrassing. And which is interesting to me because I I would, in, in that moment, I would never, at least if I was in their shoes, I would never like compare myself to, uh, to my teammates. I would think more like, Oh, like, am I getting everything I possibly could have in the negotiation with the brand? And so 
again, not really a question there. It's just the, the, the psychology in our world is just super fascinating. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm not saying it's right. But I will say it's not how I typically would have would have gone about it because I've I've never done this. Like when I think about like, mm-hmm. and sorry, I'm kind of rambling here, but like <laughs> when I think about my own negotiation process with, uh, you know, like a software company, if I'm applying for a marketing role, um, when I receive like a contract offer, um, my first instinct is not to accept it. And even if I do accept it, like the first words out of my mouth aren't something like, so grateful that, uh, Google took a chance on me, won't let you down, you know, like it's more just like, okay, (laughs) let's get to work. Like I'm applying my skills, but that, Mm -hmm. that does exist here. So, um, I don't know. What are your thoughts about that whole environment? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, to, to the athletes out there, like you, uh, in, in this process, like you really just have to figure out, um, and really learn and, and kind of stick to, uh, um, you know, finding what your, what you think your value is, um, and, and just being able to advocate for yourself when you do get to, you know, the negotiation table. Um, cause that's, that's going to say a lot about you as a, as a person, um, you know, and, and knowing that future situations, like you're going to be asking, you know, the right questions to get yourself even further. Hmm. Um, so it's, yeah. <laughs> and, and I think uh, to kind of like go back to your point about like, I don't know, trying to like compare yourself to, to teammates and such. And, uh, you know, our athletes, um, you know, they are they are viewed as as independent contractors. So, yeah, you know, uh, it's it's different than, you know, a professional sports league where, you know, they're um, you know, they're on a team in that in that sense, um, uh, you know, and you're being paid by one specific owner, I guess, like that. Uh, so when, when you view yourself as a professional trail athlete, you also need to look at yourself through the lens of being a, you know, self-owned business. Um, yes. you know, so putting together, you know, some form of a business plan, um, and, and how you can, you know, execute your goals, you know, one, three, five years out from now, um, it's going to make a, a huge difference. Um, and frankly, like when, when we do get, you know, uh, uh, you know, being asked by athletes or, or just kind of getting I don't know, essentially cold calls or emails, uh, you know, having a, a built out, you know, deck goes a long way. Um, you know, you really get to, to realize, you know, how professional this person is. Um, and that helps. Yeah. I love what you said there about the deck. And I think it, it bears repeating, uh, David Kilgore at on said the same thing. I was like, you know, when you get all this inbound, what stands out? And he's like, honestly, these people that treat themselves like a business entity and they're sending out this deck that tells you exactly what they're going to offer from uh, a branding standpoint, from an awareness standpoint, from a performance standpoint, like here's what I've done. Here's where I'm at. Here's my future plans. It's super strategic. And I think for anybody listening out there, like, let's change the culture, like start sending decks, like, yes, send your, you know, drop into their DMS, but send the decks. (laughs) Um, so anyways, I, I just, I just think what you said there is super important, but it does, it does remind me, um, because I actually in this podcasting world, when I solicit sponsorship, I, I am also an independent, well, yeah, I am an independent contractor in some cases, or I have been, and, uh, you know, part of being a business is you're accountable for everything. Um, 
you know, you're not, you're not taking a W2, you're not getting health insurance. And, uh, like our sport is dangerous. And I mean, you just, you just signed an athlete recently, Hillary Allen, who experienced this firsthand. Like she was out at the Tromso sky race five, four or five years ago and literally fell off a cliff and almost died. And, um, you know, incurred God knows how much in terms of medical expenses. And, you know, after all the dust had settled and, you know, like I was personally like mourning for her situation, I, I thought, who foots the bill there? And, and I got to imagine to the most extent it's, it's her. And, uh, so have, I'm wondering if you can comment on, um, like the reasons why an athlete might not just be considered a full-time marketing employee. Like, they would be treated the same in terms of an, from an employee standpoint as like, you know, your, uh, your paid search marketing manager or, or yourself, like an athlete marketing manager. Like, can you talk about, um, to, to, to the extent that you know why, um, why that distinction might be made? Yeah. I, well, to be honest, I, I, I don't actually know. <laughs> I don't know if I know, have, uh, have the, the right answer as to why, uh, you know, an athlete was, was not, you know, brought on as a full-time employee. I mean, uh, I mean, I think it is, maybe it's just part of the, you know, performance standpoint, um, you know, at some point, uh, you know, performance does start to, I guess, maybe not performance, uh, maybe just some of the objectives for, for an athlete change, change over yeah. time. Um, you know, so, so the ask to, for them to be performing at a higher level to then, you know, I guess in a, perfect world trajectory. Like you become world champion three times over and you have, you know, incredible following and you're, you know, you become, you know, more of a, a um, you know, a, an entity yourself that you, you are almost a standalone uh, brand. Yeah. Um, and you become, you know, an influencer in, in that sense. Um, but yeah, I don't, I don't know if I have a, the, great answer for that yeah, yeah I, I was just curious um okay i want to add one more question on this front and then i want to talk about trail running teams because i think that brooks would actually be an interesting brand to uh, actually try to prove out this model and trail but um yeah on the money front i'm curious and again i think we should probably talk generally about the industry here uh it's almost a given that every single one of these athlete contracts is going to include an nda where, you know, and I'm definitely missing a lot of key points here, but to what I, how I understand it, it means that athletes just can't talk about the details of their contracts. Um, for, and I'm wondering what are the, what's the rationale for including an NDA in a contract and, um, how does that benefit both the brand and how does that benefit the athlete? Yeah, when, when it comes down to like, you know, NDA for, for the athlete, you know, I, I do think it's, it's to their own benefit, you know, not having to, you know, share that information, not having that, that outside pressure. I mean, I think like I had mentioned before that, uh, you know, we're, we're not a professional sports league. There isn't a major, you know, trail running league and, and, you know, uh, footwear and apparel sponsors are, they're just that they're, they're one of the sponsorships that, uh, yep. that works with an athlete. Um, you know, so it's, we're not a, a, a major team. Um, yeah, that's a great point. I think that, no, I think that that's a super great point. And, um, I oftentimes forget because, you know, my, my experience in the sports world is, is rooted in 
the NBA and the MLB and the NFL where um, the relationship between, for example, an athlete like LeBron James and Nike, which would be the equivalent to what like Jim Wamsley has with Hoka, is so incredibly secondary to the relationship he has uh, on a contractual basis with his team and the players union in the league and stuff like that. So I think it is fair to bring that up. One thing from Twitter though, and again, if you're not on running Twitter, you got to check it out because there's some hilarious and honestly pretty interesting conversations that go on. But um, as we've started to talk there about just like the current pros and cons of the athlete sponsor relationship, there was one person out there that made the claim that the presence of an NDA necessarily means that one of the two sides is probably getting underserved or quote unquote screwed to some extent. And I'm wondering if you think that that's a fair portrayal of um, an NDA in a lot of these circumstances. Like, do you think that that necessarily means that athletes are getting significantly less than they're worth in the negotiation process? Or do you think that like by and large across the industry, an effort is made to, uh, to budget for the team and then to distribute um, compensation as fairly as possible? Yeah, I, I don't think it in, inherently shows that uh, you know there's there's something off with the uh, um, you know the agreement uh, or that it's that it's out of balance. Um, but yeah, I mean, speaking generally, like yeah, that also would show you know how much a, a private brand would be spending on um, yeah certain certain area of the business too. Like it's. Right. Uh, there is that implication as well, um, which is obviously that's that's beyond kind of what <laughs> my scope of, of, right. of work anyway. So. And does that mean to like protect against competition? So like you wouldn't want another competing brand to have a sense of how much you're investing in a particular space? Yeah, I think so. I mean, that, that is, you know, one way to kind of protect, uh, you know, protect the I don't know, this, maybe not the secrets, protect the, <laughs> uh, protect the brand itself. Um, yeah. yeah. And just kind of staying one, one foot in front of, uh, you know, some of the competitors. So. Cool. Well, let's move on. Let's talk about trail running teams. And the reason why I bring this up is because, I mean, I've had some of your athletes on the podcast before I talked with Garrett Heath and I know he has a long history as a member of the Brooks beasts and, I mean, you mentioned Hanson's Brooks earlier in the conversation, and it just seems to me that the time is right for a brand like Brooks or Solomon or Hoka to experiment with this co-located format and trail. And so I guess my question to you is, why don't you think it hasn't happened already? And let's start there, actually. Why don't you think it's happened yet? Um, I mean, I, I, I think to some degree, it, you know, that comes to, it comes down to funding. Um, you know, I, I do think there's been some like, probably like some natural formations of, of, uh, I wouldn't maybe not call them teams, but like a collection of athletes that just happen to live in the same, <laughs> happen to live in the same town and, uh, you know, train together every so often or so, but, um, but yeah, I think, I think that largely just comes down to, you know, funding and if it's, uh, if it comes from, you know, the brand specifically, um, and there's, you know, you've seen it in the, in the track worlds, um, where there's kind of 
maybe two different approaches where uh, one one group is uh, you know funded by one particular brand. Uh, you know, we'll just say Hanson's. Um, well, that's actually not even a good example because the Hansons are actually they they operate their own team just based on their own uh, specialty run business that they yeah, that they yeah, run. Yeah. And so we sponsored the club. Um, but yeah, so when you're looking at the the, the Beast uh, Track Club, I mean they're obviously fully funded by you know by Brooks. Um, but then you look at uh, you know clubs like um, uh, like Team Boss. That's a mix of you know different different sponsored um, athletes. Uh, you know out in the um, Crested Butte, and uh, uh, so like to get to. A point where we're seeing more training groups um, in trail. Um, I, I I do think we're going in that direction, um, and and I think getting the younger, uh, getting the NCAA, you know, kids to to jump right into trail, I think is really going to help with that. Um, uh, which you know, it is it is one of my goals to you know, like I mentioned, to you know, create a, um, or just to get more NCAA talent, um, you know, into trail sooner rather than later yeah. um so i i feel that we we could we could be there soon um i'm i'm beating those drums i'll say <laughs> um but yeah well i appreciate that and yeah i mean geez just to reflect on that uh comment you made about you know the talent pool in the ncaa i think another way to increase the allure of trail and ultra running right after college is to show that a similar model that existed for them in college that they're used to this you know this team environment very close-knit you're training you're hanging out you're eating together um a version of that is going to exist um in trail because right now i mean like you said maybe you meet up with a couple people that are like-minded in a in a particular city or region but you're kind of on your own and maybe that's why people have delayed the jump or that's maybe that's one reason why people have delayed the jump because, uh, as you get older, maybe you, you become more sure of yourself and more mature and not needing like maybe as vibrant a social environment to be happy and okay. And I don't know, I'm just kind of speculating here, but I think that that's <laughs> cool that you're thinking in those terms is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think, you know, partly why, you know, we haven't necessarily seen it uh, is that uh, there's been, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of runners that also carry, you know, full time jobs or pursue careers as well. And, um, you know, trying to find that in a, uh, in a uh, you know, very tight team knit um, type of environment, it can definitely be a challenge. Um, so mm -hmm. but with, you know, the more the sport that, you know, gets professionalized, uh, We'll definitely get there, I think. Well, Jordan, I got to say, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. And, and I mean it sincerely when I say I appreciate your willingness to contribute to this conversation because I think I think it's a good one to have. And I think that um, at the end of the day, it's positive sum and everybody involved wins. And it's also cool to know that, you know, your brand is investing so significantly in trail right now. And um not to hold you to it, but you're thinking about trail teams at some point in the future. And uh, yeah, I guess maybe the last thing we can talk about, is there anything that you're particularly excited about in the coming months about trail running and Brooks that you think the audience might be interested in hearing? 
uh yeah i mean there's there's a number of things and i, I think uh you know off the bat and again not sure when when this will air but uh this this upcoming weekend is the the brooks trail summit um so it's a kind of a, a festival celebrating all three all things related um, to trail running so it's a um, uh, it's really targeted at just getting uh kind of the the runners who are just kind of curious about um trail running get them out on the trails um in a kind of a fun and um inclusive environment um so that's that's coming up uh okay. so i mean if this if this airs afterwards um I'll just say it was a great time. <laughs> I mean, this was so, I, I'm I, honestly, I'm kind of chomping at the bit to publish this like today. So <laughs> we'll talk right. though. Yeah. yeah. Uh, man. All right. Uh, I guess last thing then uh, I got to, I got to uh, pitch it here though with, uh, with UTMB right around the corner. Um, yes. Yeah. Just, just keep an eye out for, uh, um, you know, some Brooks uh, U.S. trial athletes, uh, Hillary Allen, uh, UTMB. Uh, and then in CCC, we've got the, uh, uh, Mario Mendoza, Cap Bradley, and uh, Laddie Albertson Junkins, and then an OCC. Uh, keep an eye out for Kimber Maddox and uh, Jared Bassett. So, um, really excited for those uh, six athletes to be, uh, um, yeah, challenging the course over in Europe. Very cool. Well, Jordan, great, uh, great to hang here for an hour, and we'll have to do it again at some point in the future. But uh... Yeah, I'll actually be over there in Chamonix in a week to go spectate. And those are all strong names. Awesome. Uh, Hillary, Hillary and Ladia and Kat, I think those are going to be names to watch at, at CCC. You need to be Mario too. Mario, Mario is strong. So mm -hmm. he's been putting in the work. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> cool. Well, hey, thanks again. And uh, until next time. Thanks. Okay, we're going into. I guess I'm going to call this segment single track overtime because I realized that I've been wanting to ask Jordan this question for a while and it didn't dawn on me until after we had closed out the interview. Um, for context, when I hiked the Appalachian Trail back in 2014, I wore a Brooks Cascadia 8 and I'm pretty sure it was exclusively because I read Eat and Run by Scott Jurek and yeah, that book just left an impression on me. It, it might have been Eat and Run. Anyways, I, I was aware of Scott Jurek and, you know, he's still incredibly relevant in a lot of ways in our running world. Like he just recently went after the Appalachian Trail FKT again in 2021. Um, but obviously, you know, his, his role in the sport has transitioned. He's not racing nearly as frequently. So I'm curious, uh, what does that look like at Brooks? Like when, when you're an athlete at his stage in his career, what value does he bring to the organization? What are the things that he might do? um, on behalf of the brand on a daily basis. And, uh, cause yeah, I think, I think I'm just generally fascinated by, um, ways that athletes can stay relevant even after like the bulk of their competitive careers have passed. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. I'm, I'm charging you extra for this one <laughs> going over, uh, <laughs> uh just kidding. <laughs> um, no, with with Scott, I mean, he's he's someone that has obviously just kind of transcended the, the sport, um, you know, and is, is someone, you know, who uh, 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 just kind of captures everything about trail running um, and the trail community. And, and uh, you know, he's he's just a, a, you know, an outdoor adventurer, um, I guess, to, to put a label. Um, but, yeah, he's he's someone that, you know, he works more closely now with like our, our influencer marketing um you know, department or, or team. Um, 
and and it's it's something that like he still obviously provides a ton of value uh his his voice um you know in the sport and his opinion on on what's going on you know matters uh you know people will still gravitate towards him when there's anything that is you know related to to scott jerk and uh <laughs> I, I feel like I, we have similar stories in that we were both hooked uh, uh, in first learning about Scott Jurek back uh, back in the day and, um, you know, just reading Born to Run and Eat and, uh, Eat and Run. Um, those are those are two, uh, you know, prime examples of, of how an athlete can kind of expand their own personal brand to, uh, you know, continue on after, you know, when they're competing at their, you know, yes. at their peak. So, yeah. Um, yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, no, I'm just, I'm, I'm fascinated for two reasons. One, I can see the photo behind you. I think it's Scott running with one of the Tarahumara, which by the way is super cool. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to her credit, Steph Gardner mentioned that at Solomon, they have this thing called the, the inspiration team where, uh, they have athletes on their roster, like Ricky Gates, who's primarily this photographer, storyteller type runner and rich Roll, who we all know is a podcast host and, you know wellness person and uh so yeah it's it's just cool it's cool that yeah. you know there's ways to be involved beyond purely competition at that point in your career so all right that's all i had yeah. 